Nobody could possibly share my fantasy of Peter Parker getting spanked by J. Jonah Jameson for missing a photo deadline because he was too busy as Spider-Man stalking Dr. Octopus's latest sinister plot. Or so you think. But then you toss out some keywords into Google and discover a whole new world. There are sites full of hot spanking fiction, not just about your favorite fantasy target, but Batman and Robin, Superman, Captain America, the Hulk, Iron Man, and the X-Men. There are stories about your favorite characters from Star Wars, Harry Potter, Final Fantasy, The Wheel of Time, anime, and anything you possibly imagine. You devour some super hot stories, and then notice something unexpected when you start looking into the community. Many of these stories, focusing entirely on dudes making other dudes, are actually written by women, and women absolutely love them. Welcome to episode 42 of the Dude Spankin' Dudes podcast. This is not a podcast about unusual breakfast cereals, nor is it a podcast about great moments in sled racing history. This is a podcast about dudes who are spanking other dudes and dudes who are being spanked by other dudes. And this podcast is hosted by two dudes. Hi, I'm Jillian. Uh, hi, Jillian. Uh, and this is uh, Scott, also known as Red Spank Scott. And... Um, you're not a dude. I am not a dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so welcome, uh, Jillian. Jillian, you are the first woman we have had on the Dudes Spanka Dudes podcast. I'm freaking honored. Yes. Yeah, so, so this is a momentous occasion for us, and I'm actually very honored to have you on here as well. And uh, you're not just known by me, but some other people in the community. But for folks who don't know you yet. Tell them a little bit about yourself, and we'll get to why we're having a non-dude on our dude podcast. Sure. Uh, my name is Jillian Keenan, and I'm an auth the author of a book called Sex with Shakespeare, which is about how Shakespeare helped me come to terms with my lifelong innate and unchosen spanking fetish. Uh, I'm also the host of a YouTube channel called Kinking Out Loud, which is pretty much exclusively about spanking. Yep, and I've uh, watched your videos, I've read your book, I occasionally recommend your videos to folks, uh, particularly when you're talking about various types of consent issues and other issues that affect an all-male spanking community as well. And there's an interesting story um, that you uh, unwittingly uh, helped play a role in the formation or the decision to start this podcast. So what happened was uh, a friend of mine I had seen uh, tweeted about uh, Jillian's book one day I saw it on Twitter and, and a book about about you discovering your uh, interest in spanking. And so I bought the book. I, I have the book it's sitting here actually over here on this table alongside a biography of Walt Disney, uh, a book from a coworker about the Supreme Court um, and Terry Pratchett's final book before he died. So um, <laughs> lots of what a fabulously eclectic collection. <laughs> yeah, uh, an interesting collection of books. And so I had been reading that uh, at a formative time period where I was thinking about my role within our spanking community. I've been going to spanking parties for a while here in L.A. And I was kind of reaching this point where I felt like I should be doing something more for the community. I didn't know what it was. And I read your book and I started thinking about, well, maybe I should come out like like you as being someone into speaking. I am a journalist in real life and I do have kind of a platform um, if need be. And I kind of thought about it, talked to a couple of other people. Ultimately, 
I realized that as a gay man, um, people make a lot of assumptions about gay men being kinky already. And there's not anything particularly interesting that I could think of about a gay man coming out as a kinkster and just banking. Now we could actually use what the community, I think really what the kink community really needs are heterosexual men coming out as uh, kinksters because what ends up happening is without them is a lot of the media coverage ends up being about kinky predators who do bad mm. unconsensual things to women, but that's a completely different topic. Um, so I, I made the decision to think, well, that's, that doesn't seem to be the right thing and I'm not sure it'll be particularly helpful. That a friend of mine, Brian, just kind of casually suggested the idea of doing a spanking podcast. And so I said, that's a great idea. And so I hit him up and he and I had started this podcast. He pulled out after a few episodes. We have him on uh, every now and then. Uh, we still chat occasionally. But so that is how you, Jillian, helped start a podcast about men spanking each other. I can't imagine a better legacy. Yeah. And it's also relevant to this episode. Interesting. Once we get into uh, the fantasy life of speaking here, because you being a woman are nevertheless very much fantasized and love the idea of men speaking each other. Absolutely obsessed, Scott. <laughs> and we will, we will talk about that uh, later in the podcast. Uh, first, though, I do have some business to get through to talk about some upcoming spanking events, which are super awesome. And you actually, you just came back from a spanking event yourself in Orlando. Is that correct? I did. That's right. How'd that go? It was fantastic. It was so much fun. And it was great to get to connect with my friends, um, especially after that horrible year where we were all sort of separated from each other and from parties because of the pandemic. Um, it's been so nice to get back to parties now that we're all vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. We just had our first in October was the first essentially all male um spanking event before, you know, be between between Delta and Omicron, we managed to get one in. Uh, and it was, a, you know, it was a lot of fun and um, really, really glad we were able to do that. So but um, in March, uh, we're doing we're starting to do our final preparations for Hot Seat Retreat, the event that I help organize in Palm Springs, March 17th through 20th. Uh, we've got about 150 registered. I am in the state now where I am. I am ordering stuff that is arriving in boxes in my house. They're all sitting there. They're all going to be brought there. I have a bunch of KN95 masks that I'm bringing out with me uh, for people who, in case people forget or lose their mask or, or want to be more comfortable. Uh, as a reminder for folks who are considering coming, we are re or, or people who have already registered, uh, we require vaccination, uh, proof of vaccination in order to attend. Uh, there are some California uh, regulations that are in place right now. Uh, in the resort, uh, when you're in indoor spaces, we have mask requirements, um, unless you're eating or drinking. A lot of the resort, this is kind of an outdoor resort. Uh, and uh, uh, when we're doing outdoor play, it's going to be your call as to whether or not to mask up. Uh, so we don't want to tell people they must or they, they can't. We want people to uh, assess their risks and make their decisions. Um, if you are registered to attend please join us on the forums we have on our site at hotseatps.com. Uh, it's where people are planning out meetings and, and I'm getting a sense of what people uh, might need. Our structure and our organization this time is kind of casual. Last time we kind of scheduled a bunch of activities. Some of them did okay. Some of them performed very poorly. 
And I felt like on, in this very sort of casual environment, we don't want to, I don't want to top down what's going to happen at this event. Rather, I'd like people to uh, come up with ideas for things that they would enjoy. And I could be sort of a, a facilitator uh, and help you guys make it happen. I know there's already someone on the uh, forums looking for dudes who are into age play to do some daddy, younger guy sort of um, age play scenes. Um, there are other possibilities. We do have scheduled a uh, some games on Friday that will help you all get to know each other uh, if you don't know each other and also, you know, spank each other. Uh, we are having a pool party on Saturday and awesome new news I'm revealing here for the first time. Uh, we will have a DJ. We will have a kink-friendly leather DJ for our pool party who has done uh, other uh, events. He does, uh, he does DJing for leather bars and leather events and pride events in Southern California. And it's really awesome to have him for a pool party. We have already asked him to see if he can find a really hot mix of Madonna's hanky-panky for the party. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure how familiar you might be with that song by Madonna. Hanky Panky? Yes. I'm not familiar with it, no. I, I think I'm outing my age right now. Oh, no, you need to. Oh, after after this after this podcast, you need to go on YouTube and Google Hanky Panky Madonna and listen to it. I will. That, keep in mind, that song was released on a single that was played on the radio when I was uh, uh, in my early 20s. <laughs> I can't wait to listen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. So anyway, um, so so we're gonna have a DJ and a, another little announcement. It's my plan. I am I am a switch. Everyone knows that I am a switch, and I talk about being a switch in the podcast. My plan is to host as a bottom. Um, I really kind of last time I hosted, there was just something about going around and and uh, making sure people who are being taken care of that brought out my bottom side, and I did a lot of bottoming. Uh, the first time we did this event, and I did a little bit of topping, not as much, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to do that again. Um, I'll be recording a special little announcement um, because, as folks know, um, I kind of like to be bullied a bit. And <laughs> so I will set up some guidelines to kind of give some advanced consensual um permissions for people to do things um, and talk about, you know, how what people will do if they want to come to me and speaking, mostly because, again, I'll be running around doing stuff and to make it easier for, for folks who just kind of want to interact with me on a spanking level. So um, I have some new fun news. Um, so CLAW, uh, the Cleveland Leather uh, Appreciation Weekend, which was just in Los Angeles for complicated reasons we just talked about in our last podcast uh, for Thanksgiving, they'll be back in their normal space in April, April 27th in Cleveland. Someone asked me after I had done this big successful spanking party here in Los Angeles, whether I was able to go to Cleveland and put on a spanking party there. And I said, I'm not gonna be able to make it. I will have just have been still recovering from the event I'm doing here in um, Palm Springs. The good news is that the guys who are behind Badass Weekend the, that event that I had mentioned earlier in Georgia have decided that they are going to organize a spanking party at CLAW. So uh, the Cleveland event in April is now going to have a new spanking party. And apparently they've also organized, they do speed dates. They do kinky speed dates at the CLAW, which I find hilarious, but they've decided to organize a spanking themed speed dating offering. 
So they need a bunch of folks there for that, so so they have enough guys to do spanking and speed dating. I'm not sure how that'll work, but I, I wait. I'm looking forward to hearing the stories. So, um, with that, let's get into our the meat of our discussion, which normally what we do here is we transition to dudes spanking dudes or the real life of dudes spanking dudes. Um, we're going to talk about something a little bit. Uh, more that's, that's both about dudes spanking dudes, but also anyone who spanks anybody else and anyone who has a spanking fetish. And it's something that you've talked about a lot. Um, and it's something that kind of came up a bit in my last podcast episode, episode 41, where I and Jaden, uh, where I came out as asexual, an asexual kinkster. And uh, Jaden talked about being, you know, identifying as an asexual for a lot of time. And the fact that we're also kinksters and the dynamics that that creates. Um, for you have a very kind of different framework and thought idea on that. And that is that kink itself, having a fetish, having a paraphilia, um, if it's significant enough, um, that is a type of a sexual orientation. That is my opinion. Yeah. I identify my fetish as my sexual orientation. I like to explain that by saying that spanking occupies the place in my life that sex occupies in the lives of most people, which is to say, when I was a little kid growing up, spanking is what I was curious about. Sex was never what I was curious about. Today, when I masturbate, I only think about spanking. I never think about sex. Um, spanking is the way that I want to connect with people that I'm attracted to. It's the way I express affection and love, and it's the way I experience and receive affection and love. Um, so I, I do identify it as my sexual orientation. Um, I don't think I'm attracted to either sex or gender identity. I'm just attracted to the act of spanking itself. Okay. So that, that has been sort of a discovery for me or more specifically impact play dominance, those sorts of interactions and where, where sex isn't necessarily a part of it or, or doesn't need to be a part of it, doesn't have to be a part of it. So has this been a controversial position for you to take within the kink community that you're part of? You know, I, I know that a number of people agree with me and, and feel the same way I do. My partner, Dan, is also a spanking fetishist and has been his whole life. And he, similarly to me, and it sounds like to you, has no real interest in normative forms of sex, uh, by which I, of course, mean anal, vaginal or oral sex. Um, he's only interested in spanking. It's always been that way. Um, I feel that way, too. And when I talk about this in my YouTube channel, sometimes I have had people in the comments tell me that I'm asexual. And I'm certainly not offended if people want to assign that label to me, but I don't think it's accurate. I think I do have a sexuality. Um, I think it's very robust. It's my paraphilia or fetish as they're more colloquially known. Um, so a couple of years ago when I was drunk, I sort of like casually tweeted the term alter sexual, which is to say that um, I'm not asexual. I just have an alternative sexual expression that occupies that place in my life. But I do recognize that the alphabet soup of identities is getting way too crowded, and I don't expect the term altersexual to catch on, uh, but that, that is how I identify. Yeah. Um, it, has been, it has been interesting. I should, I should tell folks, you know, um, I got some interesting feedback uh, when I, from the last episode. Sometimes I can go through a few episodes and not really get much feedback about what I said, but I definitely 
um, got some interesting responses from the last episode when I said I'm going to start identifying as asexual. So, so, so some, some of the interesting feedback, of course, was that there were other men who felt the same way, uh, were part of the community. And I knew that. Um, but one of the things that we've experienced, which Jade and I both talked on that podcast, is some complicated interactions with men in our community who effortlessly, and I, I say that because I've seen it happen, and it, it kind of fascinates me how effortlessly some kinksters can do this in the gay community of just kind of switching back and forth between kinky play and sexual activity, just kind of bouncing back and forth with it. And it's like, oh, this is and realizing, but for me, it kind of hit a realization. It's like, oh, certain people, this can cause people to have certain expectations that this is, or alternatively, is not going to happen. And so from our perspective, or from my perspective, it came to a point where I'm like, maybe I should take on this label. Um, as I, I mentioned in the podcast uh, last time, um, so that I can just make it clear to people within the community that this activity is not going to happen and it makes things easier. And so I've been hearing back from people, number one, yeah, oh, that's that's like me. Uh, but also number two is like, oh, I have a better understanding now of, ye, of, of me because there are, you know, there, there are men that I do spanking play with who do the the mixed stuff and i don't do mixed stuff with them and now they know why uh they have they, they have a better sense of it so um it's interesting you kind of bring that up now because now i had been resistant uh to the idea of asexual because i say the same thing that you do that that you know i get my sexual expression from spanking but the, since there are so many people in the community that do both, it doesn't fit right. And it's become one of those things where I don't necessarily agree that kink is in of itself a type of a sexual orientation for that reason, just because of that experience of seeing that there are people like me who I am like you, I don't need sexual activity at all. But there are also people like me who need impact play, that it is very much part of their sexual identity. They also need sexual play. Yeah, absolutely. I have a number of friends who need both. Um, a moment that was very illuminating to me as I sort of unpacked this inside myself is that for a long time, I thought I was bisexual because I sexually respond to the idea of being spanked by a woman and I sexually respond to the idea of being spanked by a man. And bisexual was one of the labels that pop culture had offered me. So I thought when I was younger, oh, I must be bisexual. But then I realized there's a cartoon, a very old, I think, Looney Tunes cartoon that has one cartoon penguin spanking another cartoon penguin. <laughs> And I have an erotic response to that cartoon. And when I thought about it, having an erotic response to the idea of dudes spanking dudes or ladies spanking ladies or any combination thereof, no more makes me bisexual than the erotic response I have to this cartoon of penguins <laughs> makes me into penguins. <laughs> I'm not attracted to penguins and I'm also not attracted to men as a group or to women as a group. I'm just attracted to the act of spanking, be it a man or woman or a cartoon penguin. Uh, and so that's why I settled where I am. 
But I, I understand why the label asexual is so useful to you. Uh, and I think that if I had people oftentimes trying to mix more normative sexual expressions into my spanking play, I probably would have adopted that label too, just because it is, as you say, very useful. It clarifies boundaries. Yeah. And um, I just haven't had the need. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, there's always these discussions about these these cartoons. I, I think so. Actually, I I wonder now how much cartoons have played a role in the as as spanking has fallen out of fashion um, among uh, parents as a child rearing technique. It of course doesn't change whether or not someone develops a fetish for spanking play. It, it has no role in it whatsoever. But I think about I think about the fantasies that people develop and I, you know, and I, I wonder there, there are now, there's a huge, and I, I love it. I've had, we, we, we did have an episode um, here with, with my buddy, Brian, who is a furry. And we've talked about the interest of furries in spanking. And I do kind of wonder how so much of the, the cartoon representation of this uh, transgressive activities uh, has played a role in the development of, of, of certain kinky furry identities. But, but yeah, I, I, I think about that. So a funny thing that happened to me, I also find uh, asex the asexual identity a little bit uncomfortable because I do also know that I'm gay because one of the funny things that happened with me with spanking is I'll have a similar reaction to a man being spanked by a woman if it's a really good spanking and the man is really hot mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, he has a, and he has a great butt. I can ignore the fact that he's spanking the woman or that it's a woman spanking him and enjoy the experience of seeing a guy getting spanked, which did kind of have a similar experience. Like, okay, spanking is definitely part of my sexual identity, but for me, it still has to be a man. I do not feel anything at all when I see a woman getting spanked. So it's kind of an interesting, and it leads to actually a, um, a letter that Dan Savage recently got, and I'll, I'll read it out here. And I had, um, I had initially intended to read it before we had this conversation, but we'll just put it in here. <laughs> we'll put it in here. We're professionals. We can, we can adapt. So uh, just uh, last week, uh, Dan Savage in his Savage Love column printed a letter that um, a lot of guys in our speaking community probably have some experience with uh, interacting with this gentleman. I'm a straight guy, but my whole life I have wanted to be spanked by older men. Uh, does this make any sense? Because I'm confused. I don't like or want penis, <laughs> yet I want to be spanked as a punishment by men. I don't understand myself sometimes. Uh, and it's signed sincerely pondering and not knowing, which is which shortens to spank, of course, because uh, that's what Dan does. He gives them he gives them funny little acronym names. All right. right. And so Dan's response feeds really well into this, this way of describing what our orientation it is, how it relates to our kink, whether our kink is itself an orientation, whether we can have a kink orientation and a different sexual orientation, or whether it's all tied up together. Uh, Dan's response is, the truly important question here is why you want this isn't why you want this spank, but how much more time you're going to waste sitting on your ass Wondering why you want this when you could be out there getting that as spanked, which is true, which is I'm going to interject here to say this is very much true. Spank, if you were out there, if someone I retweeted this, by the retweeted the, the link to this just to let them know if, if you're out here listening to this podcast, contact me and we will get you spanked. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, and and even if you came up with a neat and tidy answer, um, you're still going to want older men to spank you because getting to the bottom of your kink, identifying some childhood trauma that explains everything isn't a cure. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, instead of seeing the spankings you want as a riddle you need to solve, you should see them as a reward for all the wondering you've had to do. <laughs> I love I love the way Dan approaches this sometimes. Um, if you need a label spank, just say you're bisexual for spankings. You're not bi for blowjobs, not bi for anal, not bi for J-O or mutual masturbation, just buy for spankings. Of course, we don't know if he's actually buy for spankings. We exactly. Don't that's what I was going to say. Does he want to be spanked by a woman? Maybe not. Right. And there are men. I mean, I know it's, it's funny. Um, my relationship with some bisexual men in the spankings in here, men who identify as bisexual, is they have very different relationships between men when it comes to kink than with women. I know men who um, like to prefer to top other men but bottom for women. I know someone, a, a bisexual man, who uh, loves to spank and do heavy impact play with men, but does not like to do impact play with women. He maybe likes to treat them like goddesses. That's, you know, that sort of thing. Um, uh, I don't get it because I, I, I like to be a jerk when it comes to spankings. <laughs> I am not a jerk in real life, but I am very much into the, the sort of the, the mean bully mentality. Uh, um, when I can, when I can play that, but um, so, but but let's talk about this uh, because this feeds back to this theory that that your kink is a sexual identity. Should he is this person? Um, well, we don't know what whether or not he wants sex, um, and like we said, we don't know if he's actual bisexual for sex. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's just so much that's unknown from that letter. If I could chat with that guy, I'd have a lot of questions for him. Um, but I think that Dan is absolutely right that the bottom line is he can spend his life wondering about the ins and outs and whys of it all, or he can go get his butt beat. And uh, I, I definitely think the second option is the better one. Yeah, the the identifying a childhood trauma thing is a very... Um... It's frustrating. Yeah, it's the thing that the the non-kink community kind of try to causes, you know, kind of pushes on to us. There must be some sort of explanation. Um, but of course, it's sort of a remnant of thinking that every sort of deviation from the norm had to have some sort of an explanation as to why it was happening, rather than accepting the possibility that it's biological. It's well, funny because I find it so easy to make up bullshit trauma explanations for normative sexual interests. <laughs> like, why, why don't we say that straight guys who love tits, who love sucking on tits, uh, were not fed enough in infancy, infancy and are therefore eroticizing the trauma of childhood hunger? Why don't we do that to more normative sexual interests? Because we could but we don't. I think we and might have used to. I, I swear that sounds very oh, sort of, it might have been, very, I, I haven't read too much of Freud, but it's what you're describing sounds a bit of a Freud. It a, does Freud. sound Freudian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so, but that actually is generally an obsession of why people are interested in, in anything other than missionary sex, which is itself weird. Why... I, I, I can make that about trauma, too. Uh, clearly, people who are into missionary style sex were you know, traumatized by the discovery in early childhood that they are 
uh, mortal and will die someday. And so they have eroticized the means of reproduction because they, <laughs> because they were so traumatized. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so the so this becomes something that's. But pers- I mean, of course, I, I don't believe that. I, I that's all bullshit. I'm doing yeah. that just to illustrate how easy it is to assign a trauma explanation to anything. Yeah, yeah. And we and what's really uncomfortable and difficult is when unfortunately people within the community within the community internalize that and a lot of friendly therapists um, or counselors have to kind of train people out of it and actually i am working on by the way i'm working for for listeners i'm uh i'm working on getting a kink therapist on an episode so we'll talk about various health related or mental health issues uh for kinksters um so what's interesting to me is the idea that um, there needs to be an explanation. And what's great, though, now of being a gay man, um, we kind of, well, we're still fighting it. We're seeing now, unfortunately, some backlashes, some political and cultural backlashes on this issue. It feels, as a gay man, I feel like I'm reliving the 90s right now with some of the political stuff going on. Um, mm. But we've kind of reached a point in culture where most people understand that there, it's important for science and maybe medicine to to research the genetic components that that create a sexual you know create sexual orientation gay straight there there are medical reasons why we want to know that information particularly because you know the way that genes are connected it could be very important for all sorts of reasons but it doesn't really matter why somebody's gay it doesn't really matter why somebody's gay it doesn't uh, because no matter what the explanation is it has been taking place historically for a very long time. Is taking going to continue to take place, um, uh, regardless of what we do. It's not something that needs to be eliminated. It is not a threat threat to population. That again, that feels like this weird thing that was invented, um, you know, as part of a control, a, a sociological control mechanism fed through religion. Not sure why people have internalized the idea that if if uh, if there there's gay and by, you know gay acceptance that we're at a population risk. But similarly, we know, and I know I've talked about it. You've talked about it. Um, it becomes some lectures when when we talk to people in the community about why people like spanking or other forms of impact play, which is there's a biological chemical uh, response to feelings of pain and impact in parts of your body. Yes. Uh, for some people, it's a great big warning flag, and that's how they respond to it. For people who enjoy the feeling of pain, our body reacts differently. That's kind of it. And it's going to—it's a thing that's going to happen to a certain percentage of the population. And so we just kind of need to accept that. And so that feeds into the idea that um, kink is particularly an interest perhaps in pain. Um, is an orientation. So, so here's the question: Should we separate kink vanilla from uh, heterosexual, bisexual, lesbian? As 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 Dan has kind of suggested, and he kind of did it in a sort of a Dan half-assed way, where he didn't really think everything through towards the end there. But can we say, you know, I'm I'm a you know I'm heterosexual as far as uh, sexual activity goes, but um, for, 
for these other activities, I'm I'm bisexual. I think I actually do think that men are very are much more likely to be into forms of impact play than we think. Just looking at it culturally, men's obsessions with physical sports, physical activities, professional wrestling. I my, I, I believe that all professional wrestlers are technically engaging in impact play. Uh, <laughs> they, they they incorporate there's been there's spanking he's one of my friends brian he's always looking for clips of of wrestlers spanking each other and he, he tosses them up on tosses them up on twitter <laughs> so sh- should we separate that sort of orientation from sexual orientation you kind of combine them though so what do we think there i i have a youtube video about my understanding of sexual orientation and i plot it out on a sort of um, graph with two axes where the bottom axis is sort of the Kinsey scale that we all know with fully heterosexual on one side and fully homosexual on one side and various degrees of bisexual attraction uh, along the, the Y axis uh, or the X axis. I didn't pay attention in math class in high school. (laughs) Um, And then that's the axis for who we love, the sex or gender identity of who we love. And then I have a second axis um, branching out from that bottom axis that I use for how we love. Um, And on one end of the axis would be sex, just normative understandings of sex. Um, And at the other end of the axis axis is uh, fetishistic behavior or paraphilic behavior, like in my case, spanking. I think that some people can absolutely be into both how expressions of attraction. I know people and have friends who are into spanking as an expression of attraction and are into more normative forms of sex as an expression of attraction. So there are definitely people who have both. Um, But in my case, I, I am exclusively interested in spanking. I have really no interest in, in sex at all. I'm not sex averse. Sex is fine. Uh, but if it never happened to me again in my life, that would also be fine. I'm just fully ambivalent about it. Um, <laughs> but and, and that's why I identify spanking as my sexual orientation. But something that's interesting to me is I live with my partner, Dan, who is also a lifelong spanking fetishist. He also has no real interest in sex. Uh, Like me, he's not opposed to it, but he's just very ambivalent about it. Uh, And something that we have jokingly fought about because I I don't understand is that whereas I do not identify as heterosexual, homosexual, or bisexual, I just identify as a spanking fetishist, Dan identifies as a heterosexual spanking fetishist who spanks men at spanking parties. So I have asked him, how can this be? How, how is he heterosexual if he doesn't really particularly want to have sex with anyone, but is happy to play with play partners of both sex or gender identities? And the way he explains this to me is that while he's happy to spank his guy friends at parties or for my benefit, because God knows I love watching it, <laughs> Um, he tells me that he doesn't personally get much out of spanking men. He, uh, he prefers to spank women. Um, so I, I guess that's why he, uh, identifies as a heterosexual spanking fetishist, but I'm happy to get spanked by a woman or a man or a cartoon penguin or a pear tree. So it's, yeah, I, I, I want, I want to see some art of a art out there of, of, of someone being spanked by a pear tree. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. So you mentioned so 
something that we might not know in our all male spanking scene. Um, we we're a lot of us do not interact with the spanking scenes that you're part of that involves women and men. A lot of spanking play between men happens in the scene that you're part of. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of um, same sex play in both directions, play between two women, uh, play between two men at the parties that I go to and in the community that I'm part of. Um, and I think it's it's seen as fine and fun. Um, everyone loves it. And I've never seen anyone express any discomfort with that. Um, in fact, if someone did, I think everyone would suddenly feel uncomfortable with that discomfort. So, yeah. So are there people in your scene who identify as gay men? Yes. OK. And there are there are people in my scene who identify as lesbian women. Uh, I think. Uh, there are a ton of people who identify as bisexual. There are a ton of people who identify as asexual. And um, since they have the misfortune of being friends with me, there are uh, there are several who identify as altersexual. <laughs> yeah, so that's very interesting. So so one of the one of the things I'm I'm hoping to kind of get the the male centric spanking community more comfortable with is is kind of like crossing some bridges into some other communities that we're connected to, but sometimes don't feel strong ties to. And one of, it, one of the things I've been thinking about is the rest of the spanking community. So it's interesting to hear that there are gay men uh, within your community at these parties with, with both sexes. And I've known, I've known, you know, pansexual men. And like I said before, bisexual men who will go to events that also have women. But I, this is the first time I've heard of gay men co going to pansexual spanking events and finding play there. So that's kind of an interesting piece of news. Well, um, something interesting to me, and it's possible that there's someone I'm forgetting here, but off the top of my head, when I think about the community that I'm part of and the parties that I go to, uh, there are definitely people who identify as gay or lesbian, um, but there aren't any, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who isn't mostly happy to play with people of all gender identities. I, off the top of my head, I can't recall any friends who are men who will only play with other men or who are women who will only play with other women. Um, off the top of my head, most of my friends seem pretty happy to play with anyone who is you know, respectful, consent conscious, friendly, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting because so that means that if you if you're out there, guys, um, there are potential opportunities here. If you're willing to uh, go into that, that dynamic that we, we talked about, the idea that we're not assuming that there is um, going, that there are going to be sexual interactions or, or what or what non-kinksters associate with as sexual interactions, because that becomes, yeah. that's kind of been, a, that's been an ongoing thing of, of straight men, like this gentleman here who would like to come into the male community and get spankings and having to make sure that the community understands that, um, that 
this person is not necessarily gay, that this person is not necessarily interested in sexual components. You shouldn't treat them as though, and I'm, one of the great things about these changes is that I, uh, changes, these cultural shifts is that I think that this part is changing. So my experience early, like in my 30s, um, if you had someone who was claiming to be straight, who was going out to get spanked by men, there was an assumption that he was in the closet and, you know, he, he would come out eventually. And, and there, this was among game. It might've been among, it might've been among straight women too, you know, because this, um, one of the things I've heard is that from bisexual men is they end up getting more, they have more problems dealing with women than men as far as respecting them or uh, trusting them or, um, you know, recognizing that they're interested in both. Um, but uh, there was a there was a component in the the community that's like oh he's 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 just in the closet, um, and also because sometimes this is a male thing. Some men will get erections when they're getting spanked or when they're giving spankings, which is a biological reaction that doesn't necessarily mean that you want to have sex. Um, and so what will happen is, of course, someone who says he's straight, but he might get an erection when he gets spanked and people think that that's some sort of a tell. And I kind of want to maybe try to discourage that behavior um, among men in my community so we can get more of these 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 guys in who feel comfortable. And uh, we can because because um, a lot of guys in the community, we're going to make a transition here into the fantasy life of spanking. But. A lot of guys in the community have fantasies about spanking or being spanked by straight men. And the idea that that's something that could happen is actually great, but it also involves a willingness to be able to recognize that demarcation of sexual identity. And so it's actually it's great to hear that that's going on in your scene, because I kind of want to find a way to kind of. I want to I want to drag those guys into our seat. If they're not, if 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 you're if you're going to Jillian's parties and you haven't been coming to any of our parties, you should you should start coming to our parties too. <laughs> Let's merge our parties, Scott. <laughs> if you come out to LA, we should we should do. Uh, we'll have to try to figure something out because we. I, there's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I know that there are many 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 straight men who would be very very happy to spank. Another dude, regardless of whether that dude identifies as straight himself or bi or gay, um, there there are lots of people out there who are just into spanking. <laughs> yeah, and actually, so and then the other funny thing about um, which is this is very this is embarrassing to admit almost a little bit, but the other thing that happens from coming out as asexual is that I can say if there is. I can say to straight men that they don't have to worry because I'm asexual, mm. which is, is awkward. It's like, it's about making them comfortable. It shouldn't, I shouldn't be, even if I weren't asexual, I shouldn't have to, they should, I should be able to be trustworthy. Um, right. But, but yeah. there, you know, but there are, there's as, as you definitely have to deal with if you're a woman in the kink scene um, or well, a woman period <laughs> of having to deal with predatory men there are predatory men in the gay kink and gay sex scene. Um, um, anyone who comes into a kink and a sexual or a sexualized space, kinky space and spanking space, has to think about the idea of of predatory behavior. And if you're not, 
if you're not a predator, uh, you want to make sure that they're comfortable and know that they're that you're not going to do something that they don't want to do. So, mm-hmm. but speaking of fantasies involving men spanking each other, let us shift now to the fantasy life of spanking. Mm, my uh, favorite. Yes, yes, and uh, and it's funny how it, such an important part of this podcast. It, I always feel a little bit weird doing it because so many other podcasts focus entirely on real life stuff, but I've come to discover how important fantasies are for the speaking community. So it's been such a, a staple of this. Um, really, you know, one of the things that one of an assumption that people make about alternative sexualities, for example, is um, men are often aroused by erotic activity taking place between women. They are fascinated by it. And, but for the longest time, um, the reverse, there was an assumption that the reverse was not true, that women, right. that, that women weren't interested in gay activity uh, between men, uh, whether sex or spanking or fetish or anything like that. We know now, thanks to the internet, that is extremely not true. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're one of those people, right? You you are you love the idea of men spanking men. Oh, I'm absolutely obsessed. I would say that a solid 95% of erotic fantasies I've had in my life were about exactly that, dudes spanking dudes. Yeah, and so when I one of the things I discovered when I started writing spanking fiction, uh, and and publishing it online is uh, discovering that the a part of the audience for my fiction, uh, part of them were women, not a whole lot, um, uh, but also also the discovery that a lot of spanking fiction writers were women, and they are uh, now, and a lot of the top um, self-published spanking fiction writers uh, who who sell you know books on Amazon involving men spanking men are women. So what's the deal? (laughs) Uh, You know, I can't explain it. Um, I just am so obsessed with this specific fantasy, the idea of one man who is a mentor-like figure to a younger man uh, to whom he is not related, um, not in any kind of sexual relationship, uh, just in sort of a, a mentor parental like role, um, disciplining this younger man. It's just the best. Yeah, and I find that kind of fascinating. So you have you have a couple of particular uh, fantasies uh, involving particular oh, yeah, people. Oh, Scott. Yeah, so so tell us about them. Well, when I was about thirteen years old, uh, Star Wars: The Phantom Menace came out in theaters, and I saw it. And there's a moment where. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, played by Liam Neeson, is a Jedi Master and is scolding his Padawan, which is uh, Ewan McGregor in the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they're exiting a spaceship, and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, it's not disrespect, Master, it's the truth. And I saw that when I was 13, and I'm going to estimate that a solid 80% of my orgasms uh, in the 20 years since then, have been directly related to this this moment in what I'm told is the worst Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and so so there is fan fiction out there involving spanking be- of between these two men. Um, oh, there used to be a website called PadawanPunishment.com. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a feeling some of our listeners, uh, especially some, uh, several of our younger listeners, for me, I will share, and uh, I was thinking about this, I'll share a formative moment, and I've actually shared it on the podcast before, I think, so uh, I was a big fan of the X-Men comic books, and uh, when I was a, a kid, um, Colossus was, Colossus was my first big crush, Colossus was how I knew it was gay, this big, beefy, muscular, sweetheart boy who was sensitive and had a, and had a great butt, Um they, they for for he was also in sort of a flirtatious relationship with Kitty Pride. You know, people know these characters from the movies. At the time, um, Colossus has, has, was, was an adult. Kitty Pride was underage, and um, it became clear that this is a really, really awkward and uncomfortable story to tell. And they decided they needed to break them up, and um, so they had Colossus cheat on her. Um, and kind of break her heart, um, which is kind of a little bit out of character. And it took a lot of work to, of writing to kind of make it work. And, you know, I thought it was really weird when I was reading and I didn't understand. Much later, as I got older, I recognized the editorial strengths behind that and understanding like, oh, yes, it didn't seem weird as a teenager to, for, you know, a relationship between an 18 and a 40. Because it's normal for teenagers to, like you experience, kind of have these mentor, you know, these these fantasies involving, you know, older people. But as a practical matter, it's an awkward kind of storytelling thing. Um, in the story uh, storyline, there was a scene where uh, Wolverine decided that that Colossus needed to be taught a lesson, and he kind of orchestrated a fight between him and the Juggernaut, uh, an X Men villain who's super strong and stronger than Colossus, and and he beats him up. And uh, at one point, he's debating this with Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler, some sort of suggestion, says that, well, Colossus is just a boy. You know, you don't have to be this mean to him. Colossus is just a boy. And Wolverine says, then he needs a spanking. Ooh. And he said it, spanking, S-P-A-N-K-I-N apostrophe, which is, that's where the name for the podcast comes from. That's why it's spelled that way. Mm. And that was, that was my moment. That was the thing that I've been thinking about. And then ever since that point, Colossus has been my ultimate himbo muscle boy spanking <laughs> spanking bottom nice yeah so is so so is there something about this relationship of a mentor and a mentee it's a dynamic that is very male oriented and so does that does that play into why these stories mean a lot you you also are interested in, in another pairing that is very very popular among us and that is Batman and Robin. Yes, that's I think because it, it checks a lot of those boxes. Batman and Robin are not related. They don't have a biological relationship. They don't have a sexual relationship, but or a normative sexual relationship. Um, but they do have a kind of mentor mentee dynamic. And if you throw some corporal punishment into the mix, it's it's exactly what I what I what I love. That is very interesting because there are the mentor mentor mentor. Mentor-mentee dynamics are a very popular fantasy um, in the male spanking community. And it's interesting to see because that dynamic, I don't want to say problematic is necessarily the right word, word, but because our culture can't seem to 
interact with teenage girls without sexualizing them. Mm. Uh, you might have some, you might have some thoughts about that. It, in my mind, I'm like realizing, yeah, this dynamic doesn't happen between uh, men and women because of and, that. And when I think about it, and this is um, a, a bit of a shame, and uh, I imagine a really educated, um, smart feminist could say some very interesting things about this. But when I think about it and I reach for examples of mentor-mentee dynamics between two women that I could have eroticized instead, um, I, I struggle to think of Batman, Robin, or Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi, a kind of master-student type relationships between two women um, as, as easily as I can between two men. And I do wonder if um, historically women have had less access to two mentor type roles um, because of, you know, the gender politics of history. Um, and that's, you know, that's a bit of a shame because I, I could imagine myself getting real uh, both, you know, personal and professional satisfaction about the possibility for genuine mentor mentee relationships between women in real life. Uh, but I could also imagine myself getting some erotic sat satisfaction out of the fantasy uh, of that dynamic in my fantasy life. So there's there's definitely something to unpack there. Yeah, that, that is very interesting. Instead, we end up with dynamics like Secretary, that um, that movie Secretary um, with um, Maggie, Gill and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which, again, was a very sexually charged one instead of of specifically a mentor-mentee relationship. And of course, <laughs> we have the tendency to make it sexual in our community as well. Um, and so, for example, my thought was, um, I, I had never really thought about that dynamic in the old Star Wars, but when the new trilogy came out with uh, Poe and Finn, both of, whom are, mm -hmm. both of whom are adults, I very immediately twigged to the chemistry between those two men. And I was like, I could imagine, I, I, I imagined uh, some spanking play between them. And I've seen some, seen some nice porn images between them. Um, but there's also two adults as opposed to a mentor relationship. Right. Uh, and they're of, of similar, similar ages. Um, it's a little bit, a little bit different now. So in your community, uh, you know, from other people, so, so you have a discord, um, uh, with your community, with a bunch of channels, and you know from your Discord that um, that male male spanking fiction is very popular among women. Yeah, um, as I said, it's almost embarrassing that I'm so into it because it is such a uh, common fantasy and such a popular fantasy that sometimes I feel a little bit like a basic bitch for loving it as much <laughs> as I do because it seems like everyone does. But you know, uh, I'm. Just another one of the herds, so I certainly can't begrudge them for loving what I also love. Part of me wonders, like like I said like earlier, that I kind of think that more men are into impact play than want to let on, whether it's spanking or just the physicality of of physical um, pain or interactions, high dynamic, uh, you know, things like flogging, the things we kind of do with each other. I'm wondering if that also kind of fuels the idea of enjoying men having those dynamics and the idea of impact, that sort of discipline being used specifically for men and the idea that it's the right way to approach 
discipline or correction with men as opposed to women because there is definitely a suggestion or a, a cultural feeling of that men are more okay with it. Yeah, there's, um, you know, when, when I think about historic, historical films that depicted floggings or whippings or beatings uh, that I grew up with and sort of responded to as, as a young person, as a, as a young woman with an emerging sexual identity, whenever a woman was beaten or whipped in a film, uh, it was always kind of a, a, a bad thing. It was abusive. It was a little bit frightening. Uh, but when, you know, when I watch Master and Commander with Russell Crowe and one of the sailors gets flogged, it's it's not necessarily abuse. It's discipline. And of course, um, in, in real life, any kind of non-consensual battery is abuse. But uh, in these sort of historical cinematic contexts, it was presented as discipline. And that was very sexy to me. Um, so I wonder if that was how early on I sort of eroticized the idea of specifically men being spanked because it was uh, it tapped into that disciplinary headspace whereas depictions of women being spanked uh that i saw early on it, it was always in a more abusive context yeah okay it's all very interesting now you also have a very interesting story about um what happened with one of your favorite spanking fiction stories tell us about uh, it. yes that's right um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a bunch of my friends from my Discord community came to Mexico City, where I live, uh, and we hosted a spanking party at an Airbnb here in town. But what I did not know is that with an assist from my partner, Dan, uh, some of my friends had gotten their hands on one of my very favorite Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn spanking fan fictions. And they had turned it into a stage play, <laughs> which, which they then performed for me in Mexico City, complete with very high production value costumes and lighting design and props and a choreographed lightsaber battle. It was uh, absolutely mortifying and amazing. And if you haven't had the experience of having your uh, favorite wank bank material performed to you by a, a group of your closest friends... Um, I highly recommend it because it is a, a singular experience that uh, I, I won't soon forget. It was, as I said, mortifying and amazing. And, and most importantly, there were spankings. Oh, there were two, and it was fantastic. Super, yeah. You know, I mean, Qui-Gon has to discipline his Padawan, Scott. That's just what he has to do. That's just how it goes. That's, <laughs> That's just how it goes. It, it takes discipline to use the Force. Yeah, so. of course. Yeah. There was a moment when the uh, the I'm going to say actor, uh, but these are not professional actors, of course. But the friend who was playing Qui-Gon Jinn used the force in the play to call a hairbrush into his hand uh, <laughs> to spank Obi-Wan. And uh, they they did this by attaching a hairbrush to like a string. So they made it fly across the stage into his hand. Uh, and everyone in the audience just lost it because it was ridiculous and hilarious. And I have to admit, pretty damn sexy. <laughs> Did it work? I'm just imagining them doing this and him not catching it in the first try. And then it kind of like wobbling back and forth. Did, did he catch it? Okay. He caught it perfectly. I'm told that they had had a number of dress rehearsals prior to the performance. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I want. I want some. I wanted. Too bad. Did they record those? I want to see outtakes. No. Um, uh, there is a recording of it, but um, I'm of course out of right. respect for yeah. privacy. Privacy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you'll have to come to one of our parties sometime. Is there is there anything you would like to see for for those of us who are who are writing spanking fiction out there? Is there is there anything besides the obvious of more Batman and Robin and more more Obi Wan? Um, is there anything you'd like to actually see more in in male spanking fiction? Oh goodness, just more mentor mentee disciplinary dynamics. Um, yeah, any anything like that, I'll eat right up. Please send it right to my email inbox. <laughs> You've given out permission, so you're 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 just open up the floodgates there. So, um, so with that, we'll end the we'll end the fantasy discussion. And it really it is really kind of fascinating to to see and hear about how women are interested in this dynamic. Um, uh, and it's it's just I I love it. Um, uh, I, I I love the idea of of other people liking this thing that we do with each other. Um, mm. So um, we do have, I did get a question from a reader um, that I think you're a good person to have here to also uh, talk into because it goes into issues of consent and communication, which is something you talk a lot uh, about on your YouTube channel. So uh, somebody that I, I know in the spanking community, someone who has actually spanked me a couple times, um, sent me a message and said, um, someone told me um, once in a scene that they were doing, um, during some spanking play they were doing, he said, I don't really want you to blank, but I really wish you would blank. Mm. And he said, is that consent? Does that mean yes or no? And first of all, of course, my, my movie response was no. And my response is like, could you be a little bit more specific? And he said, um, I don't really, he said, what he, this, he means is this person said, I don't really want you to do this thing to me, but I wish you would. And I said, you know, and my response is like, this seems like, Something, you know, my, my thought pattern there was at first was like, well, this is someone who has a fantasy that he thinks is too extreme or too dangerous that he doesn't know how to talk about maybe and see if there are safer ways to do it. So I kind of went back and forth with him again. And it turned out it turned out it was a sex act. Uh, but the sub here in this uh, a pretty but, but quote a pretty tame sex act with a sub who has a partner. Um, who says that he doesn't want sex with his spanking. And so, yeah, so, so of course, my, my first thought is like, no, that's not consent. So the first thing from a, from a top's perspective is someone says, I wish you would blank, especially afterwards, I don't really want you to blank. The, that's not consent. Would you agree there? Yeah, I, I mean, I would absolutely agree that that's not enough to presume consent. Um, but I think it is a very relatable feeling. I think a lot of us in the uh, spanking communities can relate to that feeling of thinking, oh, I, I, I don't want you to wash my mouth out with soap, but I, I kind of do, or uh, I don't want you to you know, spank me in diaper position, but I, I kind of do want to. Uh, I think it's a very relatable feeling. So while it's definitely not consent, I, I think it's an invitation to ask follow-up questions and have a conversation and see if um, there is, is a maybe a longer conversation to be had. 
Yeah, yeah, specifically in this case, because, you know, it, fortunately, he clearly did follow up and, and try to find out what was going on here, what he wanted. And, and and this hits also in another dynamic when we're talking about throughout, you know, at the early part of the podcast of the relationship between kick, kink and spanking or kink, spanking and sex. Um, he is playing with someone who has a partner and they're this the partner and the these these two partners, they have roles about sex. This is not unusual. There are people, there are lots of guys, both in the gay scene and in your scene, where there are people in uh, relationships that um, they don't necessarily share the same kinks. And so the partner will give the other partner uh, permission to go out and get those kink needs fulfilled elsewhere. And But they set up rules and guidelines. And one of them is typically, this is very common, no sex. I've, I have had many partners that I've spanked who have partners that they go home to. And it's great then because since I'm asexual, it's not a problem. I have no issues doing this at all. And I just get to enjoy spanking them. I even, I love incorporating, there's one I get to incorporate the partner in. The partner isn't into spanking, but he's super friendly and, and positive about it. So he'll help set up kind of the play dynamics. And I will make, um, I will make the guy, I'll take photos of him uh, on his own phone after spanking them, make him text him to his boyfriend and ask his boyfriend if that was enough spanking or not. And I kind of say to him, I'm just, I'm just doing what he's making me do. So I kind of create this sort of dynamic where I'm, I'm the discipline that I'm, the discipline that I'm providing here. It's what your partner is asking me to do. I'm just, I'm just doing the job here. So don't, don't cry at me. Um, and it's, it's super hot, but in this case, um, there needs to be a relationship with the partner. And if he is saying that he really kind of maybe wants sex, despite having this agreement with his partner, he needs to be talking with his partner. Exactly. Um, so that was, that was my suggestion. If you find yourself in this dynamic, um, first of all, if you're a bottom, please don't do this to tops. Um, it is, it is, I, I, we're as a switch, like everything as a switch, like I went through a heavy, hardcore bottom phase and I went to a hardcore top phase. And now that I'm a switch, I'm like, like I have the feeling of every sin that I've committed has now been visited upon me. And <laughs> I have done, you know, I have done stuff like this and, um, yeah, it, it's normal. And we, we talk about this in the podcast. Uh, you talk about it on your YouTube channel, having um, fantasies that on, on punishment that is non-consensual or goes too far or is even dangerous or threatening or unsafe. These are actually normal parts of how your fantasies develop. And your role as a thinking conscious person is to figure out ways that you can experience something that's safe and satisfy your urges. Um, oh yeah. 100% of my fantasies are deeply abusive and non-consensual, but I'm able to scratch that itch and that desire in real life in mutually consensual and non-abusive ways. And it's completely satisfying. Yeah. And so telling a top that you don't want them to do something, but you do puts the top in, a really bad position because the top any, you know, we all have these fantasies. And so 
because we all know it's common that non-consensual fantasies are common, it puts this top in this really awkward situation. Like what happens here is not knowing whether he's saying yes or no. So don't do that. Instead, a way to approach it is I have fantasies with you about X and here are my concerns, you know, and, you know, there are things that I think about with you or things that I fantasize with you. And I know there are problems of it. In this case, there's the barrier is about permission with his partner, which is still a very important dynamic to discuss about. But even beyond that, if it's um, I don't really just simply I really don't I don't really if there wasn't a partner, it's still a problem. Because if you said imagine if you're you know, imagine from the perspective of a woman, if you're on here, you would if, if you said to a man who is bigger and stronger than you, I don't really want you to have sex with me, but I really wish you would. That is a very dangerous thing to say to someone. Yeah. So don't do that. Um, but do think about, you know, do think about the fact that, that your fantasies are normal and start thinking about, well, let's talk about these fantasies and let's figure out if we can or cannot do anything. In this case, if the, if the person who messaged me wants to and the partner is okay with it then maybe that this is a thing will happen but if everyone isn't on the same page here ye, do not do not do not go to this space uh <laughs> so yeah yeah so so yeah thanks so much for your insight on there i'm just you know it was i'm glad i had you on here when that message came in because my thought was like if it was if this, the person saying this was a woman, we would realize immediately the dangers of a sentence of, of a request like this. Um, and keep in mind, I, as I said earlier, there are predatory men in the in the community, in the spanking community, in the fetish community, in the kingster community. It gets around. We warn each other. There was one who showed up an event at, at an event that I was at, and we I was kind of we were we all had our eye on him, uh, and so. These kinds of things happen. So even when you're dealing between men, um, you really shouldn't uh, – you should try framing these things in a different way. So uh, mm -hmm. with that, Jillian, um, tell us about your YouTube channel and your Discord and your Patreon and how people can reach you if they want to connect with your community. Yeah, I'd be super honored if people would connect with me or my work in any way. Um, my YouTube channel is called Kinking Out Loud. Uh, I assume if you do a search on YouTube for Kinking Out Loud or for my name, Jillian Keenan, it'll pop right up. Uh, same goes for Patreon. If anyone is interested in supporting my work, I'd, of course, be super honored. Um, if you do a search on Patreon for Jillian Keenan or Kinking Out Loud, it'll pop up. Um, and, of course, I would be super honored if anyone would consider buying my book. It's available on Amazon.com and it came out from HarperCollins a few years ago. It's called Sex with Shakespeare, which um, is a title I did not get to choose myself, as we have discussed. Uh, we are not particularly interested in sex, uh, <laughs> but I guess sex sells, so they, they slapped that into the title. Um, but um, my book is also um, a great way to connect with my work. And it is a great read. You do not have to be a massive Shakespeare uh, fan to enjoy it or understand it. It helps. Uh, I knew I was going back and thinking about my high school education and college because there's like 
I've read like you, you hit a lot of the major plays, but there are, there are a few of the plays that I had never read. Uh, it, they just never were part of my curriculum. So it's kind of interesting to kind of see all of that play out and your perspective on some of this stuff. And it's kind of fascinating. So as for me, if you want to reach me, um, I typically go by Red Spank Scott in most spanking environments. I am on Spank This Hookups as Red SPK Scott. Uh, everywhere else, I am on WAPS. I am on Recon. I am on Scruff. As all of those things mean nothing to you, I'm sure of it. But um, these are these are male male centric um, fetish spaces. I am on all of those places as Red Spank Scott, um, and our Twitter feed is Dudes Spank Dudes. Uh, reach out to me there, and I am looking forward to hearing from all of you. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in Palm Springs. And Jillian, I want to thank you so much for being the first non-dude to be on our podcast. Woo! Like I said, it's been a joy. I, thank you for the invitation. You're very welcome. And I'll catch everyone else next time.